welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. My name is Faye and this is episode 17, Festival of Finishing. How are you all doing? Um, I hope you're all well. Things are good at Shea Dashford Hughes. Um, it's been quite a busy month really and it shows no sign of, of letting up going into June and July but how we like things in our household we don't do dull we don't do boring um that's certainly been the case in the last month um so as i said my name is faye i am on instagram as crochet underscore circle underscore podcast and also as knit it hook it which is the company side um, and i'm on ravelry as ma dashper we have a really lovely group in ravelry Lots of nice threads, lots of nice chatter. Loads and loads of finished objects going in there at the moment. So go and have a look and see what everybody is up to. Um, yeah, and we've just passed 500 followers on YouTube. So thank you very much to everyone that subscribes. We regularly get about, um, it's about just shy of a thousand views per episode on YouTube. And then as the months go on, it can be anywhere to like another thousand people coming through on audio. So it's quite neatly split between the two camps. Um, there, there aren't more people that watch YouTube than actually listen to the audio. So my intention is to always do both because there's clearly um, a requirement for both. So I shall continue. Um, yeah, shall we crack on? Shall we get on in with it? If you hear me with a slight lisp or touching my lip a lot, <laughs> I apologise because just before I came out to record um, I had soup for lunch and Matthew had heated it up just a little too much and I've, I've burnt my lip and it started to blister. So if I keep on prodding it, you know that way you do um, when you've got a sore bit and you can't help but keep on prodding it. So if I keep on doing that and you can hear me and see me prodding at my lip, that's that's why I'm just poking an ailment, basically. Um, and actually, that brings me to a question. <laughs> Does anybody else have this? As I get older, I'm going to be 40 this year. As I get older, I get more and more hair growing just at the top where, where most people would recede. Matthew, definitely. Um, for some reason, I'm getting more and more hair coming essentially further into my forehead. Does anybody else have this problem? That in five, ten years' time, our small children go to cross to the other side of the road because wolf woman has to be run away from. Am I going to have that no face left and it's just all going to be hair? Because it just doesn't stop. It just keeps on growing and growing and growing. Am I the only one? Am I wolf woman and you're all like normal and I'm just like the hairy beast of Cheshire? If anybody else has the same thing, please let me know. I'd like to know that, you know, other people have this as well. I guess it's better that I've got hair growing than hair falling out. And I've got quite thin hair, so it's quite nice that it finally wants to grow a little thicker. It's just less good that it really wants to form essentially onto my face. So yeah, let me know, you know crochet, hair growth, let's talk about all the really good common elements here. Um, yeah, move, sorry, moving on from hair. 
I've got quite a lot to go through this month because um, there's an awful lot going on and one of the major parts of this podcast is about the festival of finishing and I started talking about this as a kraal so a craft along I think it was back in December um, when I said the likelihood of which crochet alongs we would be doing um, throughout 2017 I mentioned that this kraal would be like the summer month one that we would do and um, that said I've been doing quite a lot of work on it over the last few months and especially in the last couple of weeks thinking about the psychology of works in progress and what it is that makes us keep on starting new and shiny projects so um, I'm going to go into that in quite a bit of detail within this podcast which means that some of the other elements will be um, quite speedy but a few other bits and pieces before I do that that I wanted to mention um, the dates have come through for Edinburgh Yarn Festival and as I say that I just can't quite remember what they are I'm fairly sure it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday and it's the 15th, 16th, 17th of March and I have been sorting out accommodation so if anybody is interested I have the potential to rent out two flats that are adjoining which means that you could stay for two nights in the new town part of Edinburgh with lots of other crochet circle people, have a big gang of people but still have your own space and lots of communal space as well and a kitchen to cook in if you don't want to spend lots of money going out and doing stuff then you can really reduce the amount of money you're spending at a festival if you're staying over. So what I'm doing is booking up that accommodation for the Thursday night and the Friday night and working on the basis that most people will probably go home on the Saturday night anyway. So and again, it helps to reduce costs. So if you're interested, there is a thread on Ravelry for all of this. And I would say book up quite quickly. Um, one of the flats is essentially already booked up. And like I say, I've got the, the second one ready to go. Um, but if you're the quicker you are, the more likely you are to get your perfect accommodation situation sorted. So if you've got two friends, um, so if it's you and a friend, there are two of you, and you wanted to share a room, then I can accommodate that within the, the way that the bedrooms work within this flat. So let me know. All the cost details are in that Ravelry thread. It's beautiful accommodation, really gorgeous. Um, and like I say, lots and lots of space, lots of communal space. You, if you want to step away from the festival or the hubbub of Edinburgh and just have somewhere to sit and chill and relax, you would have that opportunity within the the flats that I'm looking to, um, looking to rent out. So cost everything's all on the Ravelry thread, um, but getting quickly because I think the second flat will book up quickly, and if it doesn't then I'll have to revert it back to just one flat so that it's affordable for everybody. Um, go and have a look. And if you're not on Ravelry, then get in touch with me either through um, YouTube comments below. You can comment in Podbean as well, or you can send me a message on Instagram. Any of those ways you can get in touch with me and let me know if you're interested in coming to Edinburgh 2018. And you did hear right, they're definitely now running the... the um, the vending exhibition space on the Thursday, Friday and Saturday. So it's now a three day rather than a two day event. So if you're looking at coming from abroad, 
you now have even more time that you could be spending at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. It's good fun, it's a really lovely festival, so if you've thought about it in the past, but you're a bit concerned about maybe not having lots of people to go with, um, then come along. It would be lovely to have a great big gang of the Crochet Circle podcast folk there. It would be really lovely to have a flat of uh, Crochet Circlers going to Edinburgh Art Festival. So, yeah, let me know if you're up for it. I'll be there with bells on. <laughs> um, for this month's Old Dog New Tricks, um, it's really a continuation of the theme of last month's when I was looking at the standing stitch and how you can change um, colour um, when you go on to a new round in crochet and on the back of that uh, the lovely Eleanor got in touch via YouTube and shared some links for the standing crochet stitch which allows you to move up into the new round or row in the same colour. So I've been doing a little bit of work on that just to see whether I like the difference or not. Um, I'll pop a picture up. Um, so I've been trying this out in uh, cotton that I was working with, partly because it fits with one of the existing projects that I'm working on. And what I found was that I think it does give you a slightly neater edge. I was doing it with a double crochet standing stitch, UK terminology, single crochet for US. And I think it gives you a slightly neater, slightly straighter edge when you're working in rows rather than in the round. I've yet to try it in the round, so I'm going to report back on this one again. Um, and with that neater edge, you know, sometimes when you're doing rows, you can get that almost wavy beveled effect coming down the edge of your row. I feel like you get that slightly less when you're using the DC standing stitch. And essentially what it is, is when you get to the end of the row, normally you would turn, chain one, and then go into the first stitch. Now with the standing DC, what you do instead is turn, and usually when you do that, you twist that um, that stitch that you've just made. And so instead of doing that, you move your hook. So you take your hook out of the stitch and you put it in in the other direction. So you're not twisting it. And then instead of adding a chain, you just pull your loop up a little bit and then go into your first stitch. So you're not creating more bulk on the side of your row because you're not adding a chain. You're just going directly back into the, the first stitch, which is the last stitch that you've just made. I really quite like the effect. And one of the other things that I took a photo of, and again, I'll pop this up in the notes, is how that then works if you have to, let's say, add a border into the side of that row. So I did two pieces. I did one with the normal chain, turning chain for your DC rows and I did one using the standing, the DC standing stitch methodology and I also found that I found it slightly easier to work out where to put the crochet hook in each of the one rows on the standing double crochet um, to add the border. I, I just felt that it was easier to work out exactly where the hook needed to go for each row than it was with the turning chain um, DC row. So have a look at the photos. This is something that I'm probably going to keep on coming back to and investigating over the coming months because 
if you're going to take this practice on board, it would be a bit of a wholesale shift to move away from what it is that you've probably been taught or seen on YouTube or um, referred to in a pattern. So it is a slightly different way of looking at your crochet. Same again if you're using it for working in the round. And I don't think it works for everything, but I think it's quite an interesting technique to look at and try. So the links that Eleanor gave me were just perfect. Um, so I'm going to copy and paste them and put them into the show notes. So if you want to see the videos that are available for tutorials for learning this stitch and getting to grips with it, then I'm going to pinpoint you to the same ones that I've been using. Um, and I think what I'll do is next time I will try a half treble and then the time after that I'll try it with a, a treble and again I'll show you in detail how what, what the difference is in looks and what the um what the difference is if you're adding a border to the side of it because yeah if it, if it's easier to know exactly where to put your hook then to me that's a real benefit especially if you're doing something like a blanket or a garment then ideal so uh yeah i can continue to learn and i continue to have uh, new tricks taught to me which is great I'm recording a little later than usual because we've just had a bank holiday weekend, which is really nice. Um, although it was quite green overcast in the end, which is can't continued into today, so it's a little grey as I record, which is unfortunate. But I'd almost rather it was grey while I was recording than beating down with sunshine, and I felt like I was missing out. Um, but what that does mean is that today is the thirtieth. And in three days' time, we kick off with the festival of finishing Craft Along. Now, this one's a Craft Along because the concept is to look at all of your long-term works in progress and um, assess them, essentially. And some of those might be other crafts, not just crochet. And I've pulled out all of mine. And um, I was a little bit surprised, I have to say. So one of the things that I've done is I've pulled together a quite an in-depth blog post, which I'll provide the links to. And within that blog post, it talks about some of the reasons that people have given me for them not finishing their projects. Originally, when I was thinking about this craft along, I was going to come at it from a psychological angle as to why is that people don't finish projects and then the more I sat and thought about it and thought about the, some of the conversations that I've had with crafters about why they move on to the next project and the next project and others get left behind well the more I realised that it's not necessarily a psychological issue that can be bundled into generalised categories and actually it's quite a lot more specific to the craft and the pattern and the project. So um, I'm going to take you through some of those aspects. So I reckon these are the ones that I've come up with. This is why people, I think people succumb to multiple whips. Um, you started out with great excitement, but the techniques and the pattern are actually stretching you a little too far and you're not in your mind your capabilities aren't quite matching the requirements of the pattern. So you've put the whip to one side, your work in progress. 
Equally, it could be that you have started a pattern that you're more than capable of doing, but it requires a lot of concentration to be able to do it. I certainly have got one of my works in progress is a lace shawl, and it's very, very involved. I can't sit and watch TV while I do it. I can barely have an audiobook on the in the background while I'm doing it, um, and I have to sit at the table. So the amount of time that I have to give to that project is limited because of the lifestyle that I need and so that work in project work in progress has sat there for a little while. Um, there's also like the buzz of a new pattern or a new crochet along or a new knit along and suddenly you want to be swept up with um, everybody else and you want to be doing that pattern and feel part of that community and so the project that you were working on gets put to one side as you pick up another project. Um, it might be that you're doing a pair of something and you finished one and you just simply cannot face moving straight on to the other one because you've, I think mentally you've kind of already ticked that box and you think well I know I have another half to do, but I feel like I've already finished that project and you haven't really, you're only 50% of the way through it. Um, and I think that's particularly notable for socks and there's quite a bit of talk about um, second sock syndrome and um, the fact that people will just get to one half of a pair and not necessarily move on and finish the second one. So again, it gets put to one side. I think a similar thing happens with sleeves of garments that <laughs> people might get the front done and the back done so the main body is finished and then you come to doing what can often be the dullest part of it which is sleeves which can just be like making two massive socks and quite often you're just repeating the same stitch over and over again round upon round upon round upon round and I know lots of crafters that get to that point with the garment and then put it to one side. There's a theme here. <laughs> um, one of the other reasons, and I, I see this quite a bit, is that people have substituted their yarn um, because either they were trying to use something from stash or they couldn't get hold of the yarn that's specified in the pattern. And sometimes, unfortunately, and I'm guilty of this, people will make the wrong yarn choice. Um, not necessarily through lack of understanding, but sometimes as crafters we try to shoehorn a yarn into a situation and you get so far down the line and you think, yeah, that just wasn't the right thing. And so another whip is born, essentially. Um, what else have we got? That you might have made mistakes during your crafting process and you know you need to go back and sort them or at least work out whether you're that bothered about them but you've kind of taken a bit of a huff with your, with your project and you've put it into a bag and it's been banished and it's sat on the naughty step because you know you've got to do quite a major piece of work to get it back to where it needs to be or accept the project has got flaws in it. Um, you may um, choose a long-term project and then you've lost the passion for it because it's monotonous. I've got one of them, it's a blanket that I've had on the go for quite some time. And whilst I loved it when I began it nearly two years ago, it just doesn't, 
it doesn't make my heart sing when I'm crocheting and the last few times I've crocheted on it I've just felt like it was almost a duty to do it to try and get it finished and to me if I'm going to use some of my precious time for crafting I don't want to feel like I'm duty bound to finish a project. Um, one of the other points with that is that your crafting abilities may have moved on so you might have been a new crocheter and you started a project and then you've quickly developed your skills and the project that you were working on you set aside is no longer doing it for you that your skill set has moved up and that project is now too basic for you or it could be that it's not in the right yarn you've moved your um, your yarn preferences have moved away from what you originally started out with, which is something else that happens. And I hear quite a bit. People often start with cheaper yarns, and then as their confidence and their capabilities grow, they move up the rankings from the types of yarn that they want to use. So they might have moved on to hand dyed, and they don't want to be working on the kind of the one pound ball of yarn that they started this other project in. Um, what else is there? I think the, the final one is, and I know this happens a lot, which is you completed everything in your project, and this is particularly for um, garments or things with a lot of ends. So you've done everything. You've got a front, a back, you've got sleeves or your massive blanket. It's finished. You've even put the border on, but it just needs to be washed and blocked and sewn together or have the ends woven in. And for some people that feels like such a massive task. It's almost like redoing the whole project all over again. Um, yeah, so I think there are quite a few projects out there that are so close to the finish line but haven't just quite made it yet and they're lurking in bags somewhere under the stairs. So they were the main reasons that I know of that people haven't finished projects and... Not everybody is like that. I know of all of the crafting people that I knew, all of all of the crafting community, I only know two people that start a project, finish a project, work out what their next, next project is going to be and buy the yarn for that. Two people. One of them is my friend Rose, who comes to Wool Gathering Sandbatch. And the other one is Joe, who is Jojo Twinkle Toes. They're the only two people that I know that craft in that way. Um, so that means to me that the vast majority of us, the vast, vast, vast majority of us, are more likely to have multiple projects on the go. So with all of that in mind, that's why I've set up the Festival of Finishing. The concept is that you have three months. So we'll run it through June, July and August in um, so literally until the end of August and it starts on the 2nd of June which is the Friday and the day that you will be hearing this if you're an early listener or watcher. So what I would encourage you to do is get out all of your works in, project, uh, works in progress and what I mean by that is not the ones that you, you're working on currently and um, it's looking to your long-term works in progress and there's quite a high chance that there are some lurking in your house that you have completely forgotten about. I did. I did the mind sweep between yesterday and today. And 
on Sunday, I would, would have told you categorically that I only had three long-term works in progress. That's just not the case. When I counted them all up, pulled them all out, and was being totally honest with myself, I actually have ten. So there were seven lurking that I didn't even know about, or I did, but they were so far back in the recesses of my mind that they were all but forgotten about. So I would encourage you to do the same. Go and get all of your whips out and assess them. And what I've done is I've assessed mine into four piles. And the piles are finish, salvage, frog and donate. So finish means it's a project that you still have love for and that you want to finish off. And so that goes into the absolutely I'm going to do that project pile. Frog pretty self-explanatory and um, you are out of love with it you're definitely not going to do anything more with it it's not salvageable it's not donatable and you want the yarn back so you frog it you free up the hooks that was in the bag the project bag the yarn the stitch marker and everything else that was associated with that project you've pulled your resources back into your crafting area and you have got one less project left to do i have got Two things that I'm going to frog. So I've got two of the ten are frog projects for me. Now the next one is salvage and this one requires a little more thinking I think um, and the idea is that you know that you're not going to finish the project for whatever reason it's just not it's not going to happen. You're not that fussed about getting the yarn back or the resources back out of it and so what you're going to do is salvage it. So I have four projects that I'm going to salvage and I'm going to salvage them in different ways. Um, a wee while back, by a wee while, I probably mean about five years ago, uh, it's when I first started getting back into crafting. I started with a cross stitch which came from one of Kirsty Alsop's books and she also had some really lovely tapestry designs in there as well. And so I did two of them. Um, um, it took me quite a long time to do. And one of them I even reversed out the design for, but unfortunately in doing so, because I had to change the direction of my stitch, um, what it created was a massive pull in the canvas that I was using. And even though I have washed and blocked the finished piece, um, it just won't stretch out. I can't do anything with it. And originally this was going to be a two-sided tapestried needle case. That was for my sister-in-law. So one side had really funky like 70s flowers and the other side had six, I think, little border terrier dogs. Um, so the, the the flowers worked fairly well because I wasn't going against the grain with the stitch. The dogs really didn't. And so, you know, I've put quite a lot of time and effort into this and I have finished the actual tapestries. So to salvage this, because it's not going to be what I wanted it to be, what I actually think I'm going to do is make um, the flower one into a crochet hook holder, add some fabric to it and a little clip 
and just change what I was going to do with the original project um, with the dog side of the tapestry. <laughs> and I'm not so sure about that. Um, I could cut it and salvage one side of it and sew it. Or I could do something similar and make it into like a little purse. But to be honest, I just don't think I would use it. Um, with the flower one, I think I would do something with it. But with the dog one, I could just be creating more effort for myself. So although I said I'm going to salvage four, it might be that this one goes to the charity shop potentially. I don't know. So there you go, I've already changed my mind. I'm going to salvage three and the dogs I'm going to think about overnight. And that's one of the things that you can do. If you've got a project that you're just not sure about, fix your projects into the four piles and then leave them overnight and come back to them the next day. And if you feel the same way about them the next day or you need to move things about in your piles, then fine, you know that you've had a good long think about it and that you're doing the right thing with those um, works in progress. So yeah, flowers salvaged, dogs potentially charity shop, or the only other thing I could do with that is put it in the bin, and I don't, I don't really want to do that because <laughs> there was a lot of um, wool and effort that went into making them. Um, one of the other ways that you can salvage is to see if there are projects out there that want the type of um, project that you have done. And an example of that is, um, you hear me mention her on the podcast, her name is Yael and she lives in Sweden and Yael along with two of her friends are Emmy and Hedvig and they actually have a really lovely project which is called The Blanket of Love and Hope. And what they do is um, between themselves and other crafters like you and me, they receive 15 centimetre squares, either knitted or crocheted. And then uh, Yael and her two friends make them into blankets and they hand them out to women essentially that need a, a helping hand for, you know, whatever their circumstances are. But they put all of the work into sewing the blankets together and it could be quilted, embroidered, crocheted, knitted, it doesn't matter. They will um, pull the materials together to make an appropriate blanket to hand out to somebody. Um, and what Yael also said was that if, if during the festival of finishing, some people go and look through all of their projects and they come across squares for blankets that they're, they're not going to do anything with, and, but they still want to do something positive with them because they are salvageable. You can actually send them to Yael and they will take all sorts of squares and bits of knitted or crocheted fabric and they will essentially make a scrappy blanket with them. So they will make pieces fit together and do something positive with them. So I have two squares, well they're not squares, I have two fabric scraps that I am going to send over to her and before I do that I'm going to um, hopefully crochet up a load of 15 centimetre squares so when I send the bundle over it will be full of lots of stuff for them. Um, but for instance, the 
the green and grey one that I have was a, a kind of prototype for paraphernalia, which was the notions purse that I did for the, our book Take Two. Um, and what I worked out was that an iron weight was too heavy and I didn't really want to frog it on. And whilst I love the colours, actually I could frog it and then I would have lots of little scraps of yarn. Um, or I could pass it to Yael and it will be part of a blanket that will help a woman who actually really needs a bit of support and a woolly hug. So that one will be heading salvage-wise over to Yael in Sweden. And the other one that I have was at the very beginning of my knitting uh, career. Not career. Sorry, I just sniffed it <laughs> sure why I sniffed it. <laughs> um, I was starting out with feral and I didn't even really know to trap my floats and it was something that was going to be a, um, what do you call it, like a warmer for my coffee pot, for my cafetiere and it's not amazing but it's okay and I'm not sure what I've done with the rest of the wool. And I've got a little bit left, and which is essentially enough to um, finish the project, bind it off. But again, it's another fabric scrap knitted that can head over to Sweden and be added in as part of a blanket rather than just binned or wasted. So that's where that one is going to go. So I would encourage you to do the same. It might be that you... Um, don't want to send it to Sweden because the postage and packaging but there may be something very similar where you live in the world where you could actually send your blanket odds and so on to um, people that can actually do something really positive with them. It's worth a, a Google search certainly I would say. So that's three things now that I'm going to salvage and two things I'm going to donate two things that I'm going to frog and three things that I'm going to finish. So when it comes to donating your projects, there are some key factors to remember. And I'm basing this information on a load of research that I did with my local charity shops. I asked them about this and said, well, do you, do you take works in progress or do you only want finished objects? And I was really surprised Every single one of the charity shops I spoke to said, yes, please, and they sell really well. And I, for some reason, I just didn't think that that would be the case. But actually, charity shops, certainly the ones that I spoke to, and it was five different um, charity shops within the Sandbatch area, and they all said, yes, please, we would take works in progress. But the things that they're looking for in particular are to make sure that all of the yarn is there to be able to finish the project off or the threads or the wool, whatever it is that you require to make the whole of that project, it needs to be all bagged up and ready to go. Um, if it's a size project, such as a garment, then make it clear on the pattern what size it is that you've started because otherwise they're not going to know which part of the pattern they should be following. And also, um, include the pattern in the bundle and mark where you think you are within that pattern. Essentially make it as easy as you can for the person that's going to pick up that project and work with it. Um, they also said if it's possible, 
include the needles or the hook that are the right size. Now, if you've got, let's say, signature knitting needles or an ergon favourite ergonomic hook, then of course you're not going to add that into the project. So if you are a crocheter, what I would tend to do is put a safety pin on to secure the end of the stitch and you don't necessarily have to put a hook in as part of the bundle. Slightly different though if it's a knitted project because of course you're going to have stitches on your needles. In which case one of the things that you can look at is either transferring it onto waste yarn and then tying that so that it's secure or talking to the charity shop to see whether they can give you some needles of the right size for you to transfer the project onto. I mean, that requires a little more organisation because you would have to do a double trip to the charity shop. But in my experience, in the UK in particular, charity shops have got loads of knitting needles behind the counter. They're not allowed to put them out on display because they're sharp objects, but they have loads and loads of knitting needles and I'm sure they would give the right size to you because they've then got the promise of that project coming in and being a saleable item for them in their charity shop. So, um, yeah, they're, they're the bits and pieces to, um, to think about if you're going to take your project into charities. There's no point in donating stuff that doesn't have all of the equipment that somebody's going to need to finish it. In which case your better plan there is to frog it and if you don't want the yarn donate the yarn instead and donate the pattern um, rather than just creating an issue for somebody else so that's what you can do with the donate angle so i think that covers everything we've done finish frog salvage and donate now a quick one on fogging just because not lots of people know this depending on what yarn you are using some some yarns will frog really really easily um, I'm doing one now and it's 100% wool but it's quite a uh, it's quite a smooth wool and it's frogging with no issues whatsoever but if you've got something that's a little toothier um, I think some of the worst wool that I've tried to frog with had um, Wensleydale in it and mohair <laughs> frogging mohair is no fun um, and one of the best ways that you can deal with that is to actually shove your project into a Ziploc bag, seal it, and then pop it into the freezer for 20 minutes. And what happens is the, um, the frozen yarn is smoother and it will frog more easily. Now, if it's quite a big project or it's been done on quite small needles, what you might find is that you have to repeat that process time and time again because as the yarn warms up, it um, becomes toothier again. So you just have to have patience with that one. But it's a good tip. If you've got something that you definitely want to frog back, really precious yarn, and it's proven quite difficult, then try freezing it for 20 minutes and then frogging it back at that point. Um, I've done that with a few projects and it really does make a difference. It's very, very helpful. So as I've just been saying that, I have frogged one of my projects. So that's another one down. I'm being really ruthless with this because I got a bit of a shock to find out that I had 10 works in progress 
and um, I tend to get a little twitchy when I've got five projects on the go. So the fact that I just forgotten about seven of them, um, I'm happy to be frogging and, and dealing with them as part of the festival of finishing. So hopefully you're going to join in. Not Jo, because she doesn't have whips. <laughs> um, she, uh, she doesn't need to be part of the festival of finishing, but many other people do. And what I would say is set yourself a realistic goal. If you've got 30 whips, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get through 30 projects in three months. So pick and choose. I would encourage you to look at the blog post. It'll be linked to in the um, show notes. And read it thoroughly because I've, I've tried to put some really good information in there and make it informative, but good fun to read at the same time. And some of the aspects that I've talked about is, so where do you start? You you know, you might have 10 projects. How do you decide which ones you're going to put your focus on to? And um, so I've given you some good hints and tips at ways of assessing those projects and assigning which ones come first. And also if you have a bigger project, how to deal with that psychologically so that you are mentally taking it off your list, not just seeing it as one big project, but viewing it in bite-sized chunks so you get that satisfaction of ticking elements of it off. So do have a look at that um, blog post. There's lots of information in there and I link to um, other bits and pieces that might be of interest as well. So festival finishing, please come and join along. There's already quite a bit of chatter in the thread. There's a hashtag for Instagram, which is hashtag festival of finishing. And what I would encourage you to do is use that and the Ravelry thread as a buddy system. You don't just have to use it when you get to um, having a finished object. Use it to show off how many works in progress you have. There will be no shaming. There will be no guilt cast on anybody. It's about kind of taking command of the situation. Um, so put up how many projects you've got on the go and then show us which ones you're actually going to deal with and what your plan of action is. I'll be putting all of my details up and showing you all of the um, projects within the show notes. And um, use the hashtag and use us all as your buddies. You know, you've got a great bunch of cheerleaders essentially in many more times can I say essentially in one podcast clearly today's word is essentially sorry I'm going to try and not say essentially again so I just did <laughs> there are lovely lovely people in Ravelry and on Instagram that will cheerlead and get you through the project so use those forums as your buddy system and people that will keep you going and keep you upbeat and ready to fire through those projects. Now there is one final element to the festival of finishing that I wanted to talk about which is I've been looking for a little while to do something charitable through my company Knit It, Hook It, Crafted and I thought well why not link the festival of finishing to that and so, for every finished object that hits either the finished object thread for the craft along in Ravelry or is a finished object 
on Instagram on the hashtag Festival of Finishing, I will donate one pound through Knit It, Hook It, Craft It. I have to apply a cap because obviously if, you know, it, it won't happen, but if we had a thousand finished objects, I can't afford to pay out a thousand pounds from the business. So I've capped it at 150. I would so dearly love to get to the point where we have got 150 objects finished come the 31st of August because people have gone through their long-term whips and are finishing, finishing, finishing. So that's my goal. I would love us to have at least 150 whips. Amazing if we had 300. And equally, if you want to join in with the charitable aspect and donate some money to a good cause for every project that you finish, then please feel free. The um, money that I'm going to donate will go to Knit for Peace. And it's a really lovely organisation and they work with people in the UK and abroad and they basically donate good um, woolens to people that need them. So the £150 that um, I could be donating from Knit It, Hook It, Craft It would help to distribute up to 750 different items out to communities that need those items. So... I, w I wanted to make the link between us finishing projects and projects going out to people that actually really need them and helping to pay for those projects. So I will provide links in the notes for um, Knit for Peace and what it is that they do as an organisation. Um, but they also have some really lovely patterns on their page for things that you can make. Um, not that I'm encouraging you to start new projects at the moment, but they have some really good charity patterns on their website if you're ever looking for new things that you can make that can be donated to charity. Um, have a look at that part of their website as well. Are we done? I think there's just one more thing I would like to mention, which is about the oldest whip that I know of. Does anybody know of an older one? This one is 69 years old. Um, my friend Roz, she of no works in progress, long-term works in progress fame, her mum is the complete opposite. And while she was um, cleaning out the house, she found a feral vest that she started in 1948 for her dad, who had not long returned from World War II. <laughs> And she started a funeral vest for him. And that funeral vest just has one tiny bit. All of the back is done. Most of the front is done. And she just needs to finish, I think it's about 30 rows, on the left shoulder blade. And then it's finished and done. But it has sat in a plastic bag uh, for years. The pattern is battered. Um, there are photos of it for you to have a look at. Um, but this is a 69-year-old work in progress. And what I love is that because she was cleaning it out, and she brought it up to Roz so that I could see it and photograph it. And because she's got it out, Roz's mum is actually going to work on it again and hopefully finish it before the whip turns 70. Do you know of an older work in progress? I think 69 is pretty good going. Um, but do you know of anything older than that? Let me know. So I've just refueled. 
had a little sneaky oat cake and I poured myself a coffee and whilst I was out doing that the sun has come out so when this footage is rendering and the audio is working its magic I'm hoping that I'll be able to sit in the sun and get some crafting time in this afternoon which would be rather lovely. Um, I'm going to scoot on to finished objects now and again I was like, oh, I don't really have much to show. And then I pulled the file together. I'm thinking, yep, yeah, you're quite busy. <laughs> you just don't stop. And some of the things I pulled together this morning, um, just to show you bits and pieces you could do with yarn straggles. So I'm going to cover those bits first because it might be useful information on the back of Festival of Finishing. Because you might frog a project that leaves you with lots of little bits of... Um, yarn and you don't necessarily want to create that back into one big ball so um, I've pulled together some of the bits and pieces that are useful things to make but also um, don't need lots of yarn and the ones that I've concentrated on are cotton and um, I got this pattern via Lisa who's one of the crochet circlers she's um, active on Instagram and Ravelry and she had had some cotton and made some little face pants with them. And so I did this morning, the same this morning. And I've just used up lots of little odds and ends. And you'll see in the photos that some bits have got like three stitches of cream. Because the pattern, the way that you work it in the round, it's very easy to just add in and make essentially like Frankenstein um, face pants. And as I was making these, I mean, they take they take no time at all. But I was thinking about the fact that we quite often go abroad for weekends and it's always such a pain in the backside to have to deal with liquids going through the airport. And I was wondering about these face pads because actually what, what you could do is have a little hack and spray. I use like a, a foaming fa face wash which I could spray onto individual um, face pads, like the ones that I've crocheted on, in cotton, let that dry, and then that can go through the airport. It's really lightweight. It's not another load of liquid that I would have to take through the airport. And then if I'm washing my face, and then I'm using my face pad, then my cleanser is already on the pad, and that will dry out in no time, so I'm not taking liquids back through the airport on the return journey and it's really nice and light and I have fewer liquids to take through customs. So I'm really loving these, I've never used them before and I can't report back because I haven't yet tried them, like I said I only did these this morning. Um, but it's a fab way of just using up like little odds and ends of yarn that you've got. I think it probably particularly, this, this pattern particularly lends itself to cotton and linen. Um, but they took no time at all to do and I've got a load of nice little face pads that I can use and they're completely reusable and they're machine washable and they'll dry quickly and if you're interested in um, wasting this, I nearly said essentially <laughs> and therefore I did, but if you're interested in wasting this 
then ideas like this are a really nice way of having something that's reusable and also that you've crafted yourself. That I would quite happily make more of these and have them sat in our guest bedroom for people to use um, and then I'll just wash them when that guest is gone and then they're fine for the next guest. But I would also, I think they're a really nice little um, Christmas present idea for people. So yeah, I'll, I'll provide a link to the pattern. It was one that Lisa found and she told me about it. And similarly, um, I tried a dishcloth. It came up quite small because I didn't use the right size hook. But this is a pattern that Jo, who is Feather and Thread, um, has done. And she wrote it up for us as part of the, um, well, not just for us, but she said that I can talk about it in the podcast. Um, and you can make it as large as you want it to be. And again, it's machine washable. The texture of it also makes it really good for um, your worktops or getting grit. And it, because it can be, not that the cotton itself is abrasive, but because you've got raised areas, it just helps to really clean surfaces down. Um, so she's, I think there are three different patterns that Jo has pulled together within her blog. And I will link to them as well. I sat crocheting this last night. Now, it took me three hours. It's nothing to do with Joe's pattern. It was because I was transfixed with Broadchurch. We have just finished episode six of, I think, eight. And uh, I think we watched four last night. We were meant to go to bed earlier. And I think we went to bed at about half one this morning because I was like, pretending to crochet, watching Broadchurch absolutely gripped so I suspect something that normally would have taken me kind of half an hour to four to five minutes uh, yeah three hours instead last night but another good way of using up scraps of um, cotton or linen and have something that's reusable and washable as part of your household kind of cleaning and, and hygiene routine I've got four other FOs I wanted to share with you one is a really cute little pair of knitted socks that will fit about a four and a half to a five year old. I've done these for when it comes sock along and I will be taking this pair along with probably, I'm hoping about another five pairs which will be formed out to different charities that need them within the UK. Um, I've already agreed with Christine what sock sizes I'll be working towards. So I'll be probably going from maybe one year old up to about six year old um, feet. But yeah, I would, I would love to get to September, go along to Yarndale and be able to take at least six pairs of socks over to Christine for her sock line. I really enjoy doing charity, crochet and knitting. I get a huge amount of satisfaction from it. So um, yeah, the idea of having six pairs of socks ready to pass over is, is really nice so I'll be working towards that throughout the summer and also the real beauty is that a pair of socks that fit me take about 60 to 65 grams and and um, this little pair of socks uses up most of the rest of the 100 gram balls so in terms of yarn management a pair of socks for myself and a pair of socks five-year-old socks for charity uses up more or less 100 grams of sock yarn so I'm, I'm not left with lots of little bits of um, wool. The next finished object 
is another Doppio Colosseum. So Colosseum was and is a one skein shawl that was in the Take Two book. And lots of people asked for a two skein version that would be bigger and started from the bottom and increased in size. And so what I did was re-engineered the pattern, created a two skein version, hence it's called Doppio Colosseum because it's a very similar shawl but it uses two skeins and this one is available on, on Ravelry. It's a really simple pattern. Um, but the first one that I did used a really beautiful, quite a high-end um, variegated yarn. It was the Wool Kitchen yarn and for the sakes of being able to go to shows and show the pattern off, I wanted to show people what it was like in a self-coloured um, yarn. And so I chose Devonia 4-ply in the shade Pollen Gold. I haven't yet blocked this because I just finished it off at the weekend. And to be honest, I'm going to make a blocking tutorial video for YouTube. And I think I'm going to use Doppio Colosseum for that tutorial so it will be blocked and it will be blocked um shortly the other finished object that i have is one that i'd nearly finished last time on the podcast and i think i got to the end of it whilst i was editing episode 16 and it's the next in my range of bags and it's the little purple one this is probably the smallest size that i will actually design up and it's called um, Versa. So um, it's a very plain little bag. It doesn't have any patterns on it. And if you were starting out with a bag that you wanted to crochet up, that you could have confidence, you know, there was really minimal requirement for you to um, keep on going back to the pattern, then this would be a really good starter bag for you. And that bag alongside the um, shawl um, which is in the background of the shot for those that are watching. They are both currently at the tech editors. So um, hopefully those patterns will be available shortly. I still don't know what I'm going to do with the range of bags because I have, and I have eight bags in mind, um, two of which are made, one which you'll see in works in progress and I don't know whether to put them out as a collection or just put them out as individual patterns and then maybe if you've bought so many patterns and then the collection is available I would just send you the whole collection because you're like a valued customer anyway and you've been buying my patterns and designs so I'm not, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to handle that one I might, I might take some advice on that one um, from other people within the industry so the the shawl that I, the other shawl that I finished this month is um, it's one that I, I've been thinking about for months really since I got the yarn from Tanya at uh, Edinburgh Yarn Festival and I had a very rough idea of what it is that I wanted to make and I knew I somehow wanted to break up the segments of the shawl and I was thinking about a specific technique that I've been working on developing myself which is what I like to do and um, that just wasn't coming through and then an idea hit me and that was I think on the Friday night and come the Sunday I had finished the shawl completely um, and was writing down the pattern 
And then it wasn't until a couple of weeks, well, a couple of days later that I realised where some of the pattern design had come from. So the pattern is called crisscross and it uses um, a specific series of stitches to make um, this crisscross effect in each of the segment breaks. And I used to live in a really lovely little estate workers cottage. When I moved up from Oxford and bought my, f my next house up here, um, it was North Wales that I was working in and therefore I moved to North Wales and these little estate worker cottages had the most beautiful little arched windows and they were quite ornate and the arches actually are almost identical to the crisscross effect that I've added into the shawl. If I can dig out pictures I will add them into the show notes because you will, when you see the two side by side you will see how close they are, the window arches and the crisscross effect that I've got into the crisscross shawl. Um, so yeah, so that was using Tanya's four ply shorelines and strata wool. I really enjoyed working with that and it's been a delight to be able to go back and forth with Tanya and see um, see what she thought of the shawl, she really likes it. So. Yeah, that was, that was quite a moment to have feedback from the person that's created the wool to say, I really like what you've done with the shawl. And um, some of you lovely people have come back and said that you really love it as well. So um, that is also in being tech edited at the moment. And there's no reason why that one can't come forward more quickly, other than once it's been tech edited, it then takes me about a day to pull the actual pattern together to get it into a format that I really love. Um, that said, when I did Doppio Colosseum, I tried to work out what my house style would be. Um, so if anyone has been working with Doppio Colosseum, let me know if you liked the way the pattern was laid out because um, I thought really long and hard about the size of print, about the way that the leaflet style would work, if that was the one that you printed off. Um, about whether you would double side print it or not, whether you wanted the photos, you know, a lot of effort went into it. So it would be lovely to get some feedback on that pattern and the layout of it in particular. Because um, then if it works, that will become the house style for all of my future patterns. So they were all of my FOs. Let's move on to works in progress. This is going to be very short because there is one. Um, what tends to happen is when I get towards the recording point of the podcast, I try and hurry up with lots of projects because I would rather show you a finished object than a, a work in progress. Um, and yeah, so I have one to show you and that is it. And it's another bag. And this time I'm working in cotton and it's 100% cotton and it is, minus my hair, um, it's Erica Knight's Gossipium cotton. And I really like working with this. I've come to the conclusion that not all cottons are created equal. Um, Erica's Gossipium has got a really nice, quite high twist on it, which means that when you're crocheting with it, it doesn't split. And a lot of cottons, to my mind, don't have a high enough twist and they split and they're harsh running through your hands and I'm just 
I'm not because of that I have never been a really big fan of working with cotton knit or crochet but um, Erica's gossiping cotton actually is a bit of a revelation I don't have any of the problems I would normally have with cotton um, working with this and I don't have an awful lot to show you other than what what is a big rectangle <laughs> <laughs> um, but it will be a bag and it will most definitely be a bag when I am with you next time in a month's time this will most definitely be a finished object it would have been further down the line but I bought the yarn from Denimores and they delivered the iced gem colour which is the green colour and the mouse which is the grey colour and for some reason didn't send the other colour that I'm using. So I chased them this morning and um, yeah, they say it's on the way and they're not yet out of their delivery terms which would be tomorrow afternoon so I may have to chase them again but yeah, progress will continue on that one and it's quite an enjoyable crochet as well. It's actually going to be an intarsia bag um, which is a new technique that I um, trying to get well beyond trying to get to grips with I'm designing two things in intarsia so there is another work in, in progress but it is it's huge it's a big pashmina and at the moment it has I think 12 or 13 different balls of the John Arbin knit by numbers attached to it and the idea of pulling it out of the basket to show you guys or and talk about it and then get it all jumbled up it was that was just too much so um, I've left it and then when I've made a bit more progress and some of the yarn bobbins have been taken off I will show it so maybe next time around I'll show you the progress on that design it's going to be beautiful really lovely big squishy pashmina uh, but yeah it was just too much to handle today so I've left it in the kitchen it can stay there until um until I'm ready to show it off in a better light. So, that's whips done. That was quick. And I've written in my show notes, no feeding habit. And then the postman came. <laughs> so the only yarn that I've bought was the Gossipium cotton. And over the course of the bank holiday, I put a, a photo up on Instagram of the little scene that I had set up outside so I spent most of my bank holiday weekend sitting at our table and chairs our outside table and chairs with the parasol up and it got to a point in kind of half six at night I think it was Matthew had poured me a gin and when I looked at my table scene I'd been crafting um, lots of different bits and pieces so I had a green knitted sock my mustard doppio coliseum, I had pom-pom quarterly in front of me which had um, mustard on it. I'd just been to the kitchen and got the first load of British garden peas which never make it to the pot because peas are never better than when they're fresh and cold and uncooked. And everything that I had was greens and mustards, absolutely everything. And then, uh, you know, a couple of gins down and I was thinking I'm not allowed to buy yarn and then somebody um I saw something on Instagram and I went into their account to see what else they do and it was a really lovely lady called Anne at Busy Pottering 
So you can imagine I'm sat there with lots of greens and yellows and then I see this lemon and lime bag appear on an Instagram feed and a, you know, slightly squiffy with a couple of G&Ts in me and I thought, oh, <laughs> hello, my new project bag. And uh, it got popped into the basket and it got um, bought and paid for and it comes with a really lovely little notions pouch as well. It's a great size. One of the, well, two of the projects that I want to work on later this summer are garments so I want to crochet another garment and knit another garment um, but I'm very specific about the wool that I want to use for that but in advance of that I thought I needed some bigger project bags because I, I don't I tend to have lots of little ones so I bought this one from Anne at Busy Pottering and she I'll give all of her details out um, in the show notes because really, she does some beautiful bags and her stitching is incredible and her choice of inner colours as well it's just gorgeous she also sent me a little thing of stitch markers which I really like because um, one of them's a bee and I am a massive lover of bees I'm very excited over the weekend because um, I discovered that we've got a bee's nest in the eaves of our house and we've been trying to encourage them for years so I've got a bee stitch marker and a little um, wedge of some form of citrus fruit it's just perfect absolutely perfect and one that says made with one so I, yeah really nice little parcel to come through and um, yeah check her out check out Anne at Busy Pottering she's UK based and um, really lovely quality bags if you're if you're in the market for a new project bag. Although maybe you're freeing alts up from your festival of finishing and you're regaining all of your project bags again. Maybe that's what's happening. <laughs> so that is the only feeding the habit that I have. I may have bought, when I was slightly squiffy, I may have also bought another project bag, but it hasn't arrived yet. And um, although this was super speedy, um, and I bought that one from Sarah Hazel, who's got some beautiful bags available at the moment. Uh, but I'll be able to show you that next time round on the podcast. And that's it. I'm not buying any more project bags. I am now sorted for bags. It's time for Big Up. There's so much stuff to share with you. The crochet podcast world has just grown so much. And I, I love it. There are new podcasts turning up all the time. Um, and so I've got a few to mention for today. Um, the first one is Hannah from the Cozy Cottage podcast. She's based on YouTube. And Hannah is in Florida in America. And it's, it's a really nice podcast. And it's interesting for me because she lives in a completely different climate from the one that I face in the UK so her crafting is really quite different her seasons are different and her pattern approach is different because she doesn't need the big woolly scarves and she she struggles more with trying to find things that are lightweight enough when she's crocheted them so it's a really interesting take on on a similar theme um, and Hannah, she's just lovely and she gets through quite a lot of crafting as well. She does a lot of garments. So check her out. It's the Cozy Cottage podcast on YouTube. Um, 
Another one is some of you may know Lindsay, who is Lottie and Albert on Instagram. She has just started a podcast as well, which is on YouTube, and it's Lottie and Albert, that's what it is called. She's a UK-based podcaster. She's just put out her second episode, and she goes through her whips, what she's working on, and she also designs bits and pieces as well. Um, so well worth giving her a check out and seeing what you think. And also have a look at her Instagram feed. It's it's very beautiful. It's very white and pastels. Um, so yeah, for many of you, I'm sure you would really love her, her Instagram feed. And another one, and I don't know why I haven't mentioned these guys before, because I really, I guess maybe I thought I had, but there's a really, really nice podcast called Keep Calm and Carry Yarn and it is Alison who's the daughter and Vivian who is the mother and Alison is based in Edinburgh she moved over in March actually and Vivian is still over in the US and Vivian is the knitter and Alison is the crocheter <laughs> and it's just a really lovely it's an audio podcast but it's um it's housed on YouTube. So they'll put slides up and photographs of the projects that they've been working on. Um, and I don't know how they do it, whether they do it over Skype, but it's actually just really nice to hear this mother-daughter content and catching up with each other. And of course, coming at it from two different crafting angles as well. Uh, I really like their podcast. And they're doing something quite interesting at the moment whereby they have a, a competition against each other. So because Alison is the crochet and, and Vivian is the knitter, um, they are counting up all of the yardage within their Ravelry group. So every time somebody has a finished object, they can post it in their thread. And all you have to do is show a picture of your finished object and state how much yardage of yarn you've used. You can post a work in progress so long as you know what the yardage is that you have used up in the term of their cal-cal, so it's a crochet along, knit along. Um, so you can't count any of the yarn that you'd already used before the cal-cal started. I hope that makes sense. All of the information is in their, um, their Ravelry thread anyway, and I keep on adding more stuff. So every finished object that I have, I add into their finished object thread, and the crocheters are about three times the yardage of the knitters at the moment. And I don't think it's because there are more... I don't think there are more crocheters as in individuals, but it maybe feels like the crochets that are in there are more prolific with their projects. Um, so yeah, go and check that out. That runs until the 10th of August. So it's another really nice long summer one, but equally, Festival of Finishing, why not add your details when you finished a project, work out what your yardage is, and add it into the Keep Calm and Carry Yarn podcast for whichever craft it is that you've done. I'm adding to the knitting stuff as well, I have to say, um, but I know for sure that the amount of yardage I use for crochet far outweighs the amount that I use for knitting. One of the other bits of big up is that I have added a thread in our Ravelry group. Ah, there we go again, Ravelry, <laughs> Ravelry. 
I have added, <laughs> I have added a thread in our Ravelry group um, for all of the crochet alongs that people are hosting because there are quite a few and if you come across any please do go into that thread and add what it is people really love being involved with um, crochet alongs and knit alongs I certainly do I get a lot of joy out of it and I meet lots of new people um, through being part of it as well and so there's a thread in that group and it will tell you all of the ones that we know of that are going ahead at the moment and then I think what I'll do is as as a crochet along or a knit along has finished I will delete that out of the thread so always try and keep it current so that you, we don't have page upon page that you have to flick through and um, there should probably only be one or two pages to that thread at any given time um, so yeah, please do add to it if you know of an along. Um, the Festival of Finishing is already in there. The Keep Calm and Carry On one is in there. The Summer of Romance one that um, Crochet Cakes and Crochet Luna are doing is already in there. Um, I need to add in the finish along that Catherine from Crofter and Treats is doing. So she's also doing a finish along which I think goes till mid-July. Her starts on the 1st of June, so it's a very similar timeline to our Festival of Finishing. Um, and the idea with hers, I think, is that you pick three projects and you finish them within the, it's about a six week timeline. So I'll pop those details in there as well. But any others, let me know what they are. That just leaves me with what's good. And I've got two or three things that I want to touch on just quickly. Um, one is that on the 10th of June, it will be world knit in brackets and crochet in public day and the idea is that you can just go out and craft in public do whatever you like but um, through wool, gather wool gathering sand batch I am also going to have a, an open crafting session so it's going to be at the old hall in Sandbatch. so if any of you are local watchers and listeners and you fancy coming along it's going to be between 11 and 3 on Saturday the 10th of June and most of us I think are going to be working on charity projects on that day and the idea is we just sit in the sunshine drinking tea having a spot of lunch sit outside in public and craft away and have a bit of a gathering so if you're interested drop me a line I know some of you of the watchers are kind of Warrington Manchester based and you might want to come and do something for Knit in Public Day. So you'd be very welcome. We're such a lovely, friendly group of people. You'd be very welcome to come and join us for the day and come and craft in public. There's quite a lot going on with um, World Knit in Public Day. So check it out. I'll provide links into the notes. Um, the other one is I've just finished a really fabulous audiobook. It is narrated by Neil Gaiman who is also the author and it's Norse mythology. Now I didn't know an awful lot about um, the Norse myths and Neil Gaiman is such a fantastic author and the fact that he was narrating it as well just really made me want to do the audiobook rather than read the book and of course it means I can get through designs and craft whilst I'm still listening and taking in information. And it is beautifully narrated with a really good sense of humour. And it's almost like a modern 
retelling of a select number of the Norse myths so that it still has a nice story arc to it from the beginning to the end of the book. So if you've got a general kind of want to learn more about the Norse myths but to have it in a slightly more modern telling, I would definitely say check out Norse mythology. I really enjoyed it and was listening to it in kind of four hour blocks at a time and as soon as it had finished I would have quite happily pressed play on it again because it's just lovely and it's good fun and yeah the narration's fabulous on it so that was definitely one of my highlights of the last month was having a really good audiobook on the go. And the other mega, mega highlight is I mentioned last time that Matthew's work situation was not ideal. Um, Matthew is a very upbeat, positive, hard, hard, hard working person. And the company that he was working for wasn't a natural fit for Matthew and the way that he does business and manages things. And let's say they have come to an agreement and Matthew no longer works for them which means that he has been on gardening leave for four weeks now and it's been really nice um, because he's been at home and I've got to see a lot more of my husband and we've been able to go for lunchtime walks and um, just have more of our life together rather than him working stupid amounts of hours and not not enjoying what he was doing so he's at home we've got um irons in the fire so we're you know, like there's no concern from our end it's just really nice to have a happy husband back and what it actually means is that we are no longer tied to cheshire my brother got married two about a week and a half ago and Matthew had already gone up to Scotland and I got the train up and um, when I met up with him because he'd gone hill walking with his dad and when I met up with him and we were right by the seaside and we both agreed that if if we're going to move we have to move to the seaside because we both grew up um, living by the sea and it was such a fundamental part of our being and I don't necessarily feel home just when I go to Scotland. I feel home when I'm at the seaside. That's when I'm at my happiest. So we've agreed if we move, we're moving to a coastline somewhere. Um, and this, this is like a real possibility for us. I'm really excited. Cheshire has been nice enough, but it is, geographically speaking, one of the most boring places you can ever live because it's very flat. It has very few hills and Matthew and I like interesting landscapes so yeah watch out Devon we might be coming your way <laughs> that's currently our favorite location is kind of North Devon Somerset but um yeah coastal so there may be big changes coming our way um over the next I would say 12 to 18 months it's nothing that we're going to rush into but we're really excited at the prospect of being able to go and be where we want to be rather than where we have to be for work stroke family other commitments so any suggestions where should we live in the UK 
it doesn't have to be Devon, uh, but it does have to be coastal and probably West Coast. We're both West Coasters really at heart. So yeah, there's lots of stuff going on um, personally and with the podcast and with Knit It, Hook It, Craft It and it's all good. Life is really good. That's, uh, and I hope it is for you guys too. I really hope you've got an amazing summer ahead of you. I know that quite a few schools have broken up this week. It's half term um, for lots of schools in England. And I think for some of the American schools, you might have broken up for the summer. I think you might get really long summer holidays. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what happens. Um, so hopefully, yeah, lots of you have got great summers ahead of you. And, um, yeah, whittering. I'm just whittering at you now. It's time to stop. As ever... Thank you for coming and spending some time with me. I really love the interaction that we have on Ravelry and Instagram and through uh, YouTube. And uh, yeah, I, I love being able to see what you're all up to. So um, tag me in the things that you're doing or add it to the Ravelry group because it's really nice. I get a lot of inspiration from what you guys are up to and I love the connections that we have. So please keep it up. Until next month, have fun. Sunshine, hopefully. Finishing some projects, definitely. And um, enjoying yourselves. Until July, bye-bye. Right. Mmm. Cold coffee. You're so nice. Welcome to the Crochet Circle podcast. My name is Faye and this is episode 17, which is episode, episode. Hey, shining glasses. I think we're festival or finished, uh, done for now. We're going to move on because I'm going to make tea off done sore throat done charity done 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 right I just had a horrid, horrid thought that none of that recorded. Thankfully it is. But I just cracked myself. Right, tea and away.